0: Three, two, one. Here we go. Welcome to the Mix Zone by Infront Lab. On this podcast, we chat with sports and innovation leaders from around the globe, talking about everything from the newest technologies to major trends affecting our industry. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're Infront Lab, the innovation branch of Infront Sports and Media. We use technology to improve experiences and create new opportunities in sports, and help sports and entertainment organizations by bringing them closer to cutting-edge technologies and startups. We cover all sports-related industries, from data to content and everything in between. Amarov Severe, marketing manager at The Lab and host of this podcast. Have you ever seen a Ninja Turtle running in a touchdown? I know this sounds like a crazy question. I mean, what do the Ninja Turtles have to do with touchdowns? And when did they replace their nunchucks with a football? But if you tuned into the Nickelodeon broadcast of the NFL wildcard game between the San Francisco 49ers and Dallas Cowboys on January 17th, you saw just that. The halftime highlights featured animated Ninja Turtles dressed in Cowboys and Niners uniforms, reenacting plays that took place on the field just minutes earlier. This broadcast, which featured other innovative and engaging experiences for younger audiences, was aired simultaneously on Nickelodeon and came to life with the help of Beyond Sports. The Dutch company is an AI-based visualization company that is looking to transform the ways in which sports are consumed by using player positional tracking to give viewers another perspective of the game. Joining us is the head of business development and marketing for Beyond Sports, Constantine Dieterle. Constantine, thank you for being with us on The Mix Zone.
1: Hey, how's it going? Great to be here.
0: First of all, Consti tell us a bit about yourself before we start talking about Beyond Sports and what it is that you do.
1: Sure. Um, so my background is actually not at all in, in sports or sports tech, although I've always been fascinated with sports and played sports most of my life. Uh, so there's there's that, uh, yeah, that, that connection. But um, my background is more in ad tech, uh, sales, kind of obviously marketing. Um, I, I worked at Google, um, Oracle, and then a, a small company, which grew quite a lot um, from Berlin, um, and also managed to work in San Francisco with them called AppLift, still in the ad tech space. Um, did that for about eight years, ran a lot of interesting user acquisition campaigns for uh, mobile games companies and app companies, um, which which I loved working with. Uh, great companies, the likes of uh, you know King, Candy Crush, those crazy mobile uh, moments in basically ten years ago. Um, and then after eight years, I figured it'd be a good time to to maybe switch industries a little bit. And um, obviously still with a focus on marketing and um, and how to drive users and how to how to engage with users, but more on the sports tech side. And and joined. Uh, basically four months ago pretty much um a company in in amsterdam called MyKuju, which has now been acquired by 11 sports um who is basically an ott platform for the long tail of football um to kind of democratize access to football um the main issue having always been the fact that most of the big elite sports have been broadcast and there's not really much room for the long tail and, and 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 all the passion that fans have there um and then after two years there i switched over to beyond sports yeah, pretty much two years ago, and um, I was fascinated by, this, by by their technology. I have to say, when I joined, I didn't necessarily know what exactly the Sports was doing, and I, I keep on yeah finding out uh, the, the amazing tech that these guys are doing. I'm, I'm one of the very few that doesn't do tech, tech uh, that doesn't do anything uh, developer-related. Um, I'm basically just part, yeah, part of the, the, the yeah, working with Sounder, the CEO mainly, and, and Nico on getting partnerships going um, and working on, on all the external stuff that we do.
0: So I will ask you to explain a little bit more about the tech and what player positioning tracking actually means. But before that, let's chat a bit about beyond sports. You joined two years ago. What is the company culture? Like what's the vibe? How many employees are you?
1: We're, I think we're about to scratch 50 employees. I think we're we're about 45 now, um, which is a, which is a good size company. I mean, getting, getting over the fifties, I think, based on my experience also quite of an important step, um, because then you kind of almost have to have these middle layers uh, installed to be able to, to manage um, all the different teams, which is important, but also can sometimes be a bit daunting. Um, but the, no, the company is, the, the weird thing, especially for me, having been there only two years, is that I kind of joined just before Corona, uh, before the pandemic hit. So I've, I've been working more from home uh, than, than, than from the office. And we have an amazing office here in Alkmaar, um, a big open space, which kind of also reflects on how we work. It's a, it's a, a, you know, a very flat hierarchy. We recently had to do a, an, an org chart um, of the company and it literally was just two lines. <laughs> just um, Yeah, literally. Was... But, and, and, and then we kind of had to rethink on how we do the org chart. It's more of a circle where kind of, we all work together um, and, and try to try to feed off of each other. Um, and it's, it's, it's a good mix of extremely techy focused employees, which, you know, which, which I love because sometimes I just go and I, I, my mind is blown by, by what these guys are doing. Um, and also very creative because obviously some of the stuff that we're doing gets really creative. Um, and then trying to combine these two things and trying to make uh, make some nice uh, some nice products and services.
0: This is obviously since Corona and pretty much since you joined, much of it has been work from home, but are most of your employees based near the office?
1: It's a good mix, actually. We have most of the people that are, um, either we try to, to get them uh, towards Alkmaar or at least in the vicinity of Alkmaar, um, so that obviously they're a bit closer, but we do have some employees that work um, from Amsterdam and then commute up. It's a half hour from Amsterdam, so that's not too far. We have, I think, one or two a bit more remote employees that are in Maastricht um, that are a bit further away, one who's in Poland. Um, so we have remote work possibilities, but it, yeah, we do get more stuff done just because the, the communication lines are so much shorter um, when we are in the office. But I guess post-corona, it'll always be kind of a hybrid model because it is it, it does have some really good benefits to obviously okay. um, having that hybrid model.
0: Yeah, it seems as if that's the direction it's going for many companies yep. you know, across the globe. Now, where did the idea for Beyond Sports come from?
1: So that, yeah, obviously it was before my time, but um, the, the company itself was pretty much incubated out of a, a big tech company um, here in Alkmaar called Triple IT um, that does a lot of media uh, media software development. Uh, they also work for Max Verstappen. They built his um his simulator uh, model, and also I think they work on, on, his, on his app, etc. They work on, on the Videoland platform here, which is kind of a Netflix for, for the Netherlands, so a big tech company here in the north. Um, and my, I mean, the way that I've been told the story, and I, I've seen the picture, so I believe it, is that Triple um, IT was one of the very first companies here in the Netherlands that had access to the Oculus Rift when it was launched on Kickstarter. Um, and then they have very good connections to the club up here, Azad Alkmaar, which at that time was being coached by Louis van Gaal, uh, who's a very visionary coach, obviously, um, has mm-hmm. a very, uh, his own style, let's say. Um, and he was wearing the Oculus Rift, and, and I think they made the demo with him of the roller coaster. Uh, and him being this very exciting guy said, oh, wow, this is amazing. Um, is there a way that I could actually use this technology to, to use in training? Um, So so this
0: was actually born from sort of a partnership, you know, it wasn't a technology that was developed and brought to a team and brought to a coach, a coach had a big part in developing this technology.
1: Exactly. So that was his vision, like, is there a way for me to actually uh, put my players into the position that they're in based on the data that we're collecting, Um, you know, uh, and that was eight years ago. Um, And uh, both Sander and Nico, who were working together, um, said, yeah, that's obviously possible. Um, And then Luis Van Gaal said, well, you guys have two weeks. Uh, to show me a prototype. Um, so yeah, Nico was at that point working for IX Amsterdam on all the the data tracking and analysis, and Sander was was already a triple. And they managed to do kind of a stick many um, yeah proof of concept type of of, uh, of application that won um, you know, van Gaal over. And since then, um, you know, it's it's been kind of going in that direction of of working with clubs and and associations to to utilize tracking data to then visualize that for for their benefit.
0: And they were able to do that in those two weeks.
1: Well, not the full product, obviously, but they were, <laughs> they were the able to build boom, yeah, some, the something prototype. applicable that worked where actually you could look around and you could maybe switch from one player to another just to prove the point that it's actually possible. Uh, but really something and something very minimalistic, but also shows a bit on how Beyond Sports is developing things. It's like we, we we rarely say no, which could be an issue sometimes, but we also want to explore what's possible because we always know that even a smallest idea like this could actually yeah you mean know, or lead to something quite quite big. So, it's, um, yeah, we, we never really say no.
0: So I do want to dive into your partnerships and some of the ideas and things that you've done and things that you haven't said no to. But before that, I think it's best we kind of explain what it is that Beyond Sports does. So we're talking about player positional tracking. What does that actually mean?
1: So I mean, there's been a lot of, of chat about that specific technology in recent weeks, especially because FIFA have announced uh, these, um, yeah, these semi-automated off calls, especially for VAR. And that's the latest developments. Um, so in the very beginning... Most of the people don't actually know this, but um, all of the players on elite sports, especially elite sports, um, are being tracked either by, via optical cameras that, that have the ability to track players on the pitch, um, just their positions, so X and Y coordinates on a pitch, um, or via, um, uh, via um, uh, computer vision, just normal cameras that just have a, a higher um, ability to, to capture the players. And kind of, we, the way that we say it is the pitch is a green screen. And so anything that is, doesn't fit on that green screen is basically something that you can track. Um, and those X and Y coordinates are being captured. And there's a couple of companies that do that um, across different sports. Um, so we're not really doing the tracking. We're just visualizing the tracking. And the interesting aspect here is that if you look at a single point um, tracking, which is literally just kind of, let's say the belly button, um, you, you don't really know how the player is moving. So you have to obviously build a giant library of, of body movements of motion capture across different sports, and then based on where the players are positioned on the pitch, where the ball is, where all the teammates are, we kind of always, and that's where the AI part comes in, we're, we're smart enough to know what's the most likely movement the player's doing based on that, and also based on the speed and, and if somebody might be jumping and where the ball is, etc. So those are kind of the, the elements that we put in. Um, And we have also a manual override that if obviously we're not able to detect a bicycle kick because that one might not be as occurring. And we can obviously do that um, in in post-production, but 95% of all the movements that we're doing on AI, that are AI-based are basically accurate on single-point tracking. Um, So if
0: we're we're taking a look at it, you're literally looking at coordinates for every single finger on a person's body, every single, you know, if we're talking about toes, knees, and putting it all together to visualize where this player, uh, whether it be a football player, a basketball player, a tennis player, are at every single moment on the field and what it is that they're doing at that
1: moment. Um, even easier in the beginning that we just had one coordinate basically coming in. So we don't know much about the arms of the fingers where obviously now stuff like the technology is going is, is limb tracking. Um, obviously the fingers might be a bit too much uh, that that's very, very detailed. Uh, but, um, you know, I think the latest technology tracks 29 points on, on the, the human's body. And all of those are, you know, obviously building then a skeleton that we can follow. Um, the good thing is obviously for us is that we have this whole library of body movements, um, we have human body movement scientists at Beyond Sports that are actually able to tell if that's a normal position or a good position or wrong position. Um, and therefore we actually can combine the knowledge over the past seven years and actually link that to the newest technologies, which are limb tracking. And um, that can actually track the, the body positions based on the limbs.
0: So you have this data, and um, we're talking about the actual visualization of this data. How does that go about? And I'll, I'll get into your different products in a bit, but just what can you do with this data?
1: I mean, we always say it depends, and the the, the, the possibilities are kind of endless. Um, and I'd say that the main the main services and products that we've built around um, player tracking and also limb tracking. Um, if we go kind of from from the past to the newest developments, in the past it was basically used for player performance training. Um, the main reason was that, um, especially academy players don't have the physical uh, uh, strength to actually be playing with a higher you know higher elite players in in the team so if you look at the academy players of ajax or az even fc arsenal they were able to train themselves and train their brain um by putting on a vr headset and actually reliving moments um, of the elites you know the premier league edit VZ players Um, and that helped them to actually um make decisions faster so we built a whole gamification uh, model in there to be able to say should you pass this way should you pass that way um with a timer with with something to put them a bit under pressure while they have the immersiveness of, of knowing almost what it feels like to be playing at that high level. Um, and that that managed, uh, or like with that, they managed to actually make decisions faster on the actual pitch, where they were playing by a second or two, which elite sports actually is quite a lot. Um, so that's the whole performance player aspect. You can also train this for referees, obviously. Um, so anybody who's on the pitch, you can kind of give them the, the possibility to relive moments, either good or bad, and say, was that the right decision or the wrong decision? Um, and, and learn from that. The the second aspect is that it's purely visualization, but based on an analytical point of view, where a, a pundits, for example, um, Jamie Carragher, loved putting on the VR headset on Monday Night Football um, and kind of explain a defensive play from, from his point of view, um, You know, looking around and being able to, um, to showcase and explain to the, to the viewers in a very detailed approach uh, why uh, a specific defender or an attacker was making this right or wrong move, um, which obviously uh, makes for some good storytelling. Then the third big pillar that we're focusing on is because we're data agnostic and we work with all of these different data aggregators, we have a very good picture of you know, who's doing what and, and what you get for your, you know, for, for, for the service. And, and we actually help um, deciding or help the, 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 the leagues and the associations that are looking for new tracking partners or that are doing an RFP to gain, to get access to the newest um, technology to basically help them visualize what these different um, tracking companies are doing. We don't really tell them you know who they should go for we obviously stay independent but we we provide reports to, to and, and clips to show them this is the actual data and how it looks like because otherwise they'd be getting probably an excel sheet of you know 100 gigabytes with just a ton of lines uh, because that tracking obviously is being tracked sometimes at 50 frames per second if you do this you know with, with 22 players and a ref and a ball uh, uh, through a whole game you get a giant data sheet and so we help them kind of with with making their decision a bit easier based on what they're looking for if they're looking for the best um, the best tracker and the most accuracy but sometimes those are a bit more expensive so we help them kind of with those with their decision on that side and then the latest aspect is kind of what you touched upon in the beginning is we don't necessarily always want to look at the humanoid form as we say we believe um, also based on a test that we've done with the with the nfl on twitch two years ago um that it's actually more about not showing the humanoid form and trying to mimic uh you know what we already can see on a tv broadcast why would we want to mimic this, anyways? Uh, but actually look at how can we uh, make this more engaging to uh, the, the, the next generation of fans or another generation of fans that might not even wanna watch a football game uh, and, you know, and with the real people, but actually prefer something uh, you know on watching it in a Ninja Turtle or in a blocky format or in something completely different.
0: And so let's talk a little bit about your offerings and the products. You have both B2B and B2C products. So let's start on the B2B side because you just went through a lot of information and a lot of different things that you can do with this yep. data do you provide all that or those different examples of what can be done and you have very specific offerings and products that you are offering partners and clients?
1: It's a bit tricky because even though we do, we do think that there's something for everybody in there it's, it's, and it is highly scalable, but most of, most of the, 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 either if we work with a broadcaster, they have a specific idea on what they want the the end user, which is the, the viewer on TV, what they want them to experience. Um, so there, it is kind of a custom approach. You would say, you know, let's get let's get our heads together. Do we want to do a SpongeBob version of the NFL game? Because then obviously we'd have to make sure that all of the body movements obviously fit the SpongeBob character, um, or do we actually want to go with the the Ninja Turtles? And that also, again, that, that we have to make those models. We have to make sure that we get the models, the three D models from them. If they don't have it, we have to build it, etc. So so it is kind of a custom approach when it comes to these um, these broadcaster experiences. We do think. And that's maybe something for a bit later, but we do think that ultimately it'll go a lot more into let's provide a toolbox and let's help creators who might be broadcasters, but also who might be just people on the metaverse uh, to drop that, that buzzword in there, um, who just want to create, um, you know, basically having a, a toolbox such as Lego to just provide all of these different building blocks and they go crazy with it. And, and that's kind of the, 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 the long term vision for us.
0: E- you talk about the fact that it could take you some time to build and customize these experiences. So if we're talking about a new client comes up to you, they wanna do something, how long does the buildup take in order to create, you know, the animated characters that you're talking about? And then how long after the play happens on the field, can you already put together this production in order for that viewing experience to be as close to real time as possible?
1: Um, so it really depends on, on... On how fast obviously, something needs to happen so for example the the initial test that i spoke about with the nfl on on a twitch stream that we just just the blocked here in, in the netherlands uh, from start to finish it took 10 days um the main reason being they actually went and st- say, said let's do something in the humanoid form but we we didn't have all the animations ready we needed to actually do uh, the faces and animate the faces of the players we need to obviously check everything we said let's make it very easy let's use our blocky characters that we now have used a few times because it's easier and then we can really just focusing on, on getting that right. Um, so that took 10 days. Obviously, some other projects might take a lot longer because we need to, we need to make sure that everything is fitting correctly. For example, for the, the Premier League productions that we work with, um, we, we basically have to build every single Premier League stadium, which does take a while, maybe a week or two per stadium. Um, so that obviously takes a bit longer and we have to wait for the transfer period to be, open, to be over to be able to know which kind of players are in each of the squads. So there's a bit of background work that has to happen here. Um, but really when it comes to new clients, we, we, we sit together with them, we say you know what's the scope? Um, you know what's your deadline? And, and, and then and then we, we obviously try to get it done as fast as possible. Um, once it's live, again there's also different options. Um, we could obviously be sitting um, you know where the game is happening as close as possible to obviously um, get the data as fast as possible. But uh, we also actually done for the, for the, for the, the Ninja Turtle game, we actually built a VPN tunnel and we did all the production here from Alkmaar. Um, and and the good thing is data moves faster than video images. So we actually usually have to build in a a delay if we do a live stream to actually not show our visualization because that one's rendered faster because it's rendered in under a second. So if you get the data faster than the video stream, you obviously, we have an issue because we we shouldn't show something before the broadcaster can. Um, So then sometimes we actually have to put in a delay to just make sure that we're not ahead of the actual broadcast. So
0: you're saying that if, I mean, if we're looking at it from for watching the Nickelodeon broadcast and something happens, you would have been able to actually show that in the Ninja Turtle forms faster than anyone who's watching the original broadcast is able to see the play yes. the field.
1: Yeah, we saw it faster. We have, we have to in this case, we had time because it was meant to be a halftime show anyway. So we weren't going to show it live. But we saw the data version of the game here in the office faster than we saw the actual broadcast. Yeah. So we knew earlier what was going to happen before we saw it on TV.
0: So if you were to broadcast, not just highlights at a halftime and broadcast an entire game in this way, that is something that is possible based on when the data comes in. It's that quick. Yeah, that's incredible. And now tell us a bit about the B2C product. This is obviously B2B. You're working with big clients such as the NFL, which you mentioned, Premier League. What is it that the B2C product does that's available for
1: consumers? So we've, we've tested a lot on the B2C side, and we've also gotten a lot of learnings. Um, obviously the background of the company is not B2C focused. So you know, it's, it's hard to launch something on the B2C side when you're still a growing company. Uh, you know, you're looking at the marketing team. I have now two employees, which is great. Uh, but, but back then, you know, I had, I had an intern and, and obviously launching something in a small scale like this, in um, a small scale team like this was obviously a bit tricky. Um, but what we've done, we've built an application here in the Netherlands, but accessible worldwide called GameFace, where we made all of those things available um, on, on, for the end user. So you would have to create or could create an account um, and actually relive highlights of AWZ matches from the, the past match rounds or play rounds um, or matches, and then basically go in. Uh, we had a couple of curated pre-selected moments. Most of the times, obviously, the goals, but also the full live matches. So you could actually go in and clip out a moment of 30 seconds um, uh, actually zoom in, you know, pinch and zoom. You could actually change a bit of the environment. One of the, one of the environments was on Mars. One of the environments was in a, in a swimming pool and basically clip your own moments of the goals um, and therefore then share it and, and basically make your own, your own content.
0: And the data that you have coming in is that data that only comes from sports organizations that you've partnered with, or can I as specifically a fan of the New York Knicks decide that I want to go in now and watch my highlights of the New York Knicks via on Mars or whatever it may be?
1: We have to obviously have partnerships in place with uh, the data aggregators either, or the, the, the league owners. So in the ADDVZ, we partner with uh, the broadcaster, ESPN, um, back then still Fox Sports, and the um, ADDVZ, which obviously um, is the league. So there we have a partnership. So we have access to the data. Um, and obviously then afterwards on the monetization side, there's a ref share. Uh, but there's also ways for us to get access to, to the data for free, because maybe afterwards we just want to test something. Or you can literally just purchase uh, the, the the data from the data aggregators. Um, so so there's different models. We always prefer to work together with the the leagues or the broadcasters or whoever is the the, the media partner, just because it, it it makes more sense to obviously have that kind of broader broader approach. Uh, but there are, there are multiple ways for us to get access to that data and then and then play with it.
0: We live in a world where everyone loves to share what it is that they're doing any fan that comes in and creates their own highlights this way they can share it then to social media in any way that they want yep which you know it it changes everything in terms of the younger generation which you mentioned you really coming in and trying to make sure the younger generation who may not necessarily be watching four hours or three and a half hours of an nfl game especially if we're talking about playoffs and the super bowl where you have everything from the sides and the commercials it takes a long time these are the reasons that you're creating these different experiences. So what are the trends that you're seeing, trends that you're speaking about with your partners, such as the NFL Premier League, to then create better experiences?
1: Yeah, that's the, the. well, take the buzzword back in that I've mentioned a bit earlier, um, the metaverses or the builder platforms, uh, how we might call them kind of depends a little bit um, on each uh, how, how we all dependently or independently um, uh, yeah, describe and what we feel about the metaverse. But ultimately, what we've we've seen a lot more also from not just our partners, but what happens in the in the market is um, a lot of sports property owners or sports rights owners are exploring launching something on the sandbox or launching something on Decentraland. So that's again, even with those platforms, you add a blockchain uh, capabilities and NFT capabilities in there, which is something completely new. But for example, also Roblox, which is um, a non blockchain uh, builder platform, um, and here there, there's some really interesting thoughts. Um, and maybe this is something where obviously also we all have to learn is do you actually want to recreate a whole live game environment in a Roblox for example do you want to build a stadium because you can Uh, do you want to build a ticketing system because you can Uh, and just have people sit on a on a on the seats for them to watch the experience maybe but probably not so much Um, so how can you actually utilize all of these building blocks like the the toolbox that that we provide of data um, you know to then build experiences because you can basically say if somebody runs because we obviously are able to know who, how fast somebody runs. If somebody runs faster than um, I don't know 20 kilometers an hour, the hair would turn red, uh, or you add a trail behind them. Or um, so you can kind of find fun experiences to interact with these with these data points that we're collecting and all the derived data. Um, you can you can make predictions. You can actually create what-if scenarios. Like what if the player actually had passed to the right would have actually been a better goal chance. Um, so I think we're still really scratching the surface on on what kind of experiences these creators will create. The interesting aspect, and that's that's from a meeting we've had um, recently is it's not really about like should we recreate one stadium where hundred million people will go watch the game or do you wanna create a hundred million experiences that are customized to a person? Uh, so then in the end you have the same amount of eyeballs but each and everyone has kind of its personal experience. It's probably somewhere in between.
0: And that goes in the direction of everyone now going into these ultra personalized experiences for fan of watching how they want, where they want, when they yep. want, on whatever planet they want in this case. Correct. <laughs> now, we've been talking about the data that you're consuming and you mentioned um, limb tracking earlier. Limb tracking is a bit more specific, as you mentioned, that you're able to really see where the hands are moving, where the legs are moving. How much can this play a part in even furthering the fan experience when it comes to these types of uh, viewing experiences?
1: There's there's two ways I see, and, and obviously one um, I briefly touched upon is, is something that FIFA is now very publicly testing, um, which is actually one of them fan engagement but also one of them just making decisions a bit faster and easier so kind of it's it's twofold one is more internal with with the var's to help giving them tools or giving them uh, utilizing these tracking capabilities as a tool to make decisions faster which is everything that we as a viewer want um because i think we don't really like having to wait one or two minutes to see a decision whether or not somebody's offside or onside um so that's on the one hand side more the internal the internal side for the referees and then on the fan engagement side you can then think of ways to visualize that. You can say, do you want to have a quick, uh, you know, two second side-by-side uh, uh, sideline view, which you can never have with a, with a normal camera because you cannot really follow the ball on the side, but in a virtual environment, you could um, to give a, a quick snapshot. Or do you want to have a fully crazy engaging wall that's being built up in, you know, in slow-mo? And, and again, that depends a little bit on who the viewer is and what I want to see. But that's kind of how you can look at um, different engagement on these tricky decisions um, with limb tracking, yeah, for example.
0: And if we take a look at the other side, not just necessarily um, the fan experiences, the viewing experiences, but how limb tracking can affect sports as a whole, uh, even replace the human eye and instinct, if you will. I mean, if we're talking in terms of replacing umpires who are calling balls and strikes, uh, or if we're talking about tennis, how can limb tracking come into play here?
1: yeah that's a bit more out there but i've 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 talked to uh to our tech team and obviously they they are very opinionated in a good way and also very black and white so it's also good and that's usually it's 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 possible or not really possible um so so if we take the example of tennis um obviously we've seen uh, recently at the us at the, the Australian open but i think the us open as well um technology basically taking over the the line calls and that's that's obviously a bit easier because it's an in or out call, um, and that's similar a bit to the goal line technology that we already have in football, where it's uh, it's, it's assisting the, um, the 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 referee. But yeah, why not think about because uh, we know what a normal human body position looks like. Uh, you could technically track the limbs and then see if somebody falls in a natural way or an unnatural way. Maybe we could actually help detect if if somebody is taking a dive or not, um, or if there's actually a foul, or you know if the ball has actually been out or not. So there there are ways that. Technically, those things are possible. Obviously, you'd have to really check if it's feasible from from an implementation point of view. But from a pure technical point of view, yeah, these things are possible. Yeah.
0: So we're talking obviously a lot about the future and what these things, uh, how these things may come into play. But what's the future look like for Beyond Sports? Where are you guys looking to go to next? Obviously, you mentioned the metaverse; that's the hot topic of the day. NFTs are the hot topic of the day, especially in sports. Where is the Beyond Sports going next?
1: It's um, kind of still following the, what, what we're currently focusing on, obviously building quite custom experiences for um, some of the bigger brands or names out there, um, you know, working together with clubs, teams, leagues on, on, on new products and experiences, just because, again, we, we know that sometimes we, we shouldn't say no because we might, we might be developing something that can actually be used. Uh, you know, in in, in the future. So if you look at at training, um, you know, AR is is really something that could be coming, uh, you know, becoming a bit more mainstream. At the moment, it's a bit tricky because with AR glasses, you have a very, very limited field of view, but who knows, maybe in five or 10 years, you have new AR glasses where actually a player could train with those glasses on and see the opponent's uh, team in front of him or her um, and therefore uh, be able to virtually play or even an AR play against the, the French team that they're about to face uh, the day after. So that's interesting, um, but really like more in the short term, obviously the big focus for us is to make the technology available to more users, um, not just us developing or building tools for those bigger name clients, which helps us with exposure of course. But I think really we, we, we wanna focus on having that toolbox ready for end users to play around with on platforms. I don't think we are a platform builder, but we want to work with as many platforms and clients as possible to obviously make these make these data points available. Tricky is still a bit because obviously sometimes you sh- you need to make sure that you avoid replicating a full live experience because a lot of the broadcasters pay a lot of money to be able to broadcast these games. So there's going to be a little bit of a, of a period in the next couple of years uh, where there's going to be a bit of overlap and, and we have to learn. Um, but ultimately we see that those two can completely live side by side and, you know, you have people that go to the match day. You have the people that watch the game, the live game, and then you'll have obviously a huge population that could experience those those live sport moments or on demand sport moments on a platform um, that we're kind of completely agnostic, um, and we want to just help make that experience a bit better.
0: We've been talking a lot about experiences, specifically viewer experiences, but I want to talk to you about your own personal experiences at Beyond Sports. You won an Emmy uh, for your collaboration with Nickelodeon on the NFL Wild Card Game uh, in 2021. Tell us about that experience.
1: That was wild. So we we and, and we have to be really thankful to the to the guys from CBS and Nickelodeon uh, that that we're having a very good relationship with, um, you know, especially Sean and and uh, and Drew, but also from the NFL, uh, Rick is a great guy that we work with. Uh, so we have this WhatsApp chat where you know we are kind of making sure that we 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 get things done a bit sometimes a bit faster, even though email sometimes can be a bit slow. And we got this 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 I think text message at 3 a.m. here in, in the Netherlands saying, like, hey, we've been nominated for an Emmy for this for this broadcast. So that ready for us was wild. We were happy. Actually, there were two, yeah, two, two Emmys uh, that were that we were nominated for together with them. and um, and then I think the the announcement was June last year, sometime of June or July, I completely forgot. Um, and again, same thing. I mean, I, I was tired. I, I was sleeping. I think it was three or four a.m. But Sander actually stayed up to watch the whole Emmy show, and again, texted us, and the, the chat went wild. And and I think I woke up at 5 a.m. and saw all of the all of the the messages coming through. And it's kind Some of, of the biggest
0: news of your life.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, really, really surreal to to really think that a small company from from Alkmaar. I mean, we're quite humble. Um, managed to, to 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 do this. Obviously, not our own. It's it's with the partners is is with um, the tracking team, also Next Gen Stats on, on the NFL that has helped us here. Um, it's, it's a joint effort, but it feels like we're very proud, obviously, and, and, and we have them in the office standing there so, uh, so that they're, they're ready. Once we go back to the office all uh, next week, uh, we'll be able to see them in person.
0: Present them to everyone who, yeah. who you can present them to. So, Constantine, we're almost out of time. So before we finish, I do want to hit you with our rapid fire questions that we ask all of our guests. Yes. Um, so if you're ready to go, first of all, how oh, yeah. do you define innovation?
1: I almost define innovation by competition. The more competition you have, the better the innovation is. So I actually enjoy having competition and and not being the only ones. Uh, So so that's for me the best way to innovate.
0: If you could go back and do one thing differently, better, what would it be?
1: In general or with Beyond Sports? In
0: in general for yourself and this whole journey that you spoke about even before, before Beyond Sports.
1: It's weird. I don't. I don't. I don't regret things. I never really look back and think like. I mean, sometimes you can twitch and tweet little things here, but for me, I'm always looking ahead. I don't. Uh, I don't look back and and uh, and want to change things usually because I've been. I'm very happy where I am.
0: So in that case, what piece of advice would you give your younger self at the start of your tech journey?
1: Um, I think the one that the the boldest move I've made was to, to move to the US at the age of 25 uh, just say like, yeah, I, again, I, I don't have any regrets in general in my life, but, uh, just obviously do it, uh, you know, do it for sure. Like don't even have doubts. Um, if you have cool opportunities with a gut feeling, keep on going for them. And that's, that's what I keep on doing.
0: What, who was, or is your tech role model?
1: Hmm. Interesting one. That's a really tricky one. I have to think about that a bit. Save I always time. had, I mean, I always had the back of the days it sounds so cliche. I, I had, um, obviously uh, Steve Jobs was one of the, 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 one of my, my big heroes. I was a big Apple nerd. I mean, even uh, when Apple was almost, uh, you know, out of, out of business, there was only one shop, one Apple shop left in Berlin and we kind of always went to that one little shop in Berlin uh, to, to, to buy, you know, the Tomb the Raider two game or something like this. So I always had big appreciation for him, but I also know that he's not the techie guy. So he's the, he's the visionary. He's the, so it's it's a, maybe in that sense, Steve Wozniak in a way to make all of the things happen that helped Steve, the other Steve to then present that maybe that's, that's the short answer, but I'm pretty sure if I think about it a bit more, I'd have something, something better, but uh, that that's the first thing that comes to mind.
0: So if you think of anything else, you can circle back to us. Yes. We'll add yes. it in. We'll, we'll let people know. For sure. And then finally, what technology has had the biggest impact on you?
1: Recently, um, and that's kind of a bit of a link to sports and also the so-called metaverses is, is Zwift. Um, I've I've been I've been Zwifting almost every day in the past the past two years. Um, also driven by the fact that obviously um, Corona hit most of us pretty hard and we couldn't really go outside on rides. Um, I was I was planning to do an actual ride from San Francisco to LA um, ch- during the first year of the pandemic, but obviously that got cancelled. Um, but before that, I already had bought a, a smart trainer and kind of trained on, on Zwift and. It kind of just went crazy. Um, I've joined a, a virtual club uh, you know, here in Europe, Team 3R, that does a lot of work for racing, obviously actually in you know, live racing on these platforms. Uh, we also raise a ton of money for World Bicycle Relief, which is, which is great. So um, so I've, I've built this whole new community, which kind of feels similar to how it was when I was gaming, when I was a kid, um, you know, having having uh, you, your gaming clan. And now it's just actual cycling. So this morning I went cycling, actually gave a, a, gave a class more or less. I, I gave, gave a group ride, <laughs> Um, you know, we, we re- stream these, uh, some of our races on Twitch. So, though no, that, that's kind of the biggest impact recently for me.
0: Ah, oh, that sounds fantastic. It's, it's great to find communities and places that you wouldn't necessarily think you'd find them and you wouldn't have found them what five years ago.
1: Nope. Yeah. And we're planning the, the first in, in real life race or meetup, uh, for this, uh, for this summer. So that'll be weird to actually see face-to-face all of these, these people from the UK and from the Netherlands or from Spain. So, so that'll be fun.
0: It sounds like it will be Constantine, Thank you very much uh, for joining us today and good thank luck to everything at beyond sports. You'll have to let us know if you're nominated for another Emmy.
1: We'll see. We we, we don't know when the nominations are out, but uh, that, that's the ambition, but what's well, you know, the jury is out there. We'll, we'll see what they say.
0: Well, thank you for being with
1: us. Brilliant. Cheers. Here we go.
0: That wraps up another episode of the mix zone by front lab. Amarov Severe. You can find me and the lab on LinkedIn. And don't hesitate to reach out and chat with our team about sports tech solutions or just last night's game. Enjoyed the episode. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast. And don't forget to rate us. We'll see you next time.